What's going on, Ridge Runner Nation? We have a special Ridge Runners live show tonight with Travis Zipfel and Gabe Rainwater. Travis talks about his recent Belmonte 50 win, and Gabe talks about his recent 100-mile PR that he set in his backyard over this past weekend. Sit back, enjoy. This is a special one. Awesome. What is going on, Ridge Runner Nation? We are back for another Ridge Runners live show. And I don't know about you guys, but I haven't slept in days due to the excitement of having these two gentlemen on the show tonight. If you are talking about the top ultra runners in the state of Ohio, these two men have to be on that list. So without further ado, Gabe Rainwater, Travis Zipfel, how are you guys? Great. Good. Uh, so obviously we always start off things with uh, beer and whatnot. So what are you guys drinking tonight? Travis. I, yeah, go ahead, Travis. I have a new Glarus um, out of Wisconsin. Uh, it is just their, um, I'm not even sure. It's just their ale. Um, pretty good. Nothing, uh, nothing to rant and rave about. Just solid, um, but I, I prefer some more IPAs. Uh, but yeah, it's good. Love it, Gabe. Uh, I'm actually drinking decaf coffee uh, with cream. Nice. That's kind of my uh, staple staple drink at night. Um, decaf coffee before bed. Yep. You know, decaf, there's, yeah. there's still caffeine in there. Is there? I think so. Well, they can't get it all out. Yeah, probably not. I drink a lot of caffeine, so <laughs> it doesn't really affect me. John, what about you out there? Um, I am finishing up some wine because uh, I have not had a chance to restock my beer collection since uh, we went on half lockdown. So I feel that. I am drinking a Miller Lite out of the Thunder Bunny glass. I actually, just because I'm out of the glass tonight, uh, I got 10 ounce beers. I got, I was, I was like bamboozled and uh, I think the world's ending. So I was a huge catastrophe I had a couple weeks ago. So uh, I've been drinking a lot of glasses to make myself feel better. <laughs> but with that aside, um, on the Ridge Runners live show, we have a new policy. And basically uh, in the younger generation, uh, there's a thing going around where it's phones eat first. So when you get a meal, you take a photo of it, your phone eats first on this show dogs eat first and these two gentlemen both recently got new dogs in their lives um travis can you show us your dog um he's running around the kitchen right now he might make an appearance here in a little bit uh we'll we'll see what happens <laughs> we'll give it a few minutes i'll i'll I'll, uh, I'll make a celebrity guest appearance with him i, I can't really control a 10 week old puppy uh, what's the name of your dog uh, Fitz. So uh, Fitzgerald for when he's bad, I guess. Uh, Fitz when <laughs> he is just a normal dog. Awesome. Gabe, what's the name of your dog and what kind? Uh, my dog's name is Twigs. Um, and he is a Great Dane, St. Bernard, uh, Great Pyrenees mix. <laughs> so he's about 11 weeks old and he weighs about 40 pounds. Uh, <laughs> but he is a very nice dog. Uh, very laid back, short hair, uh, and is pretty chill. So that's awesome. Good boy, that's but he doesn't really—he doesn't like to run. The only time he likes to run is when he sees our house. 
when we've been out and he just starts running towards the house. So he doesn't really like to leave the house. <laughs> Mine is the same way. He's afraid to even leave the front yard. And when we're coming back from yeah. a walk, he starts sprinting towards the house. Yeah, yeah, he sees his house and they get excited. So. They know a nap's coming, so that's that's what that's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're good sleepers. <laughs> so these two gentlemen both ran some pretty uh, awesome uh, adventures and races in the past couple weeks. Um, Gabe ran 100 miles in his own backyard this past weekend, which absolutely just lit the Strava world on fire. Uh, two weeks ago, Travis won the Belmonte 50-mile endurance run. Um, so we're going to start with Gabe and just hear all about his experience uh, with this 100-mile run that he decided to do. So just to start things off, Gabe, uh, tell us about your mindset going into this run. Um, when did this idea first pop in your head, and when did it really become real for you? Um, well, so I was signed up for the Ohio Backyard, um, which was the same weekend, right, last weekend. Um and I've been training pretty hard for it. Uh, and then as things have developed over the past couple of weeks and it was postponed, uh, I was, you know, kind of struggling on what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something, um, but I didn't know what. So like, let's see. I think Wednesday, before I kind of set my mind on what I wanted to do. Well, so I had like, so my backyard goal, I had the backyard goal and I was thinking I want to go farther than I've ever gone before, which like I'm pushing for 200 miles is sort of my backyard where I'm at with that. So like I had these visions of going and running a 200 mile event, just going and running 200 miles, how long it takes me. But I looked at the weather and I was like, you know, it's kind of crappy weather. I don't really want to be gone for two days um so like i was like well what's my next what's my next goal and i thought well i've wanted to run a fast hundred um for a while and sort of test my limits on that aspect um so i was debating on what course i wanted to do and i thought well with all the uh, lockdown stuff I, I was feeling like i should just stay home um so i decided on the course Basically, I think it's about a point six mile loop, and it's all uphill one way and all downhill the other way, and it's this loop, um, and it's a gravel like a gravel lane. It just goes past our front door, so my aid station was easy, and um, so I just decided, well, let's do it. Um, so I woke up and hit start on the watch, and put my head down and started running, and it stopped when it. At 100 miles <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely crazy so to put it in perspective uh gabe said this was his pr he finished it in 17 hours 51 minutes in the even more impressive part about this the course had 20,000 feet of elevation gain over the course of the 100 miles so it wasn't like this gravel loop was just like 50 feet up 50 feet down or whatnot um did you ever yeah. you, you've run this loop multiple times before um did you ever ever have a goal of maybe like, hey, one day I want to run a hundred miles on this and see what I can do? Uh, no, I had a goal of running thirty on it, um, which I did a couple weeks ago. Um, but a hundred, like, it's just no, I never thought about running a hundred miles on that loop. Um, 
So can I but, ask the next question about that? <laughs> yeah. What? So do you? Um, you've run many, multiple times. You've run lots and lots of hundred milers. Do you think because you had unlimited aid station access or because you were just feeling that much more in shape uh, that you were able to just absolutely, you know, dominate any time you've had on something with way more vert than anything you've, uh, I, think, yeah. I think, than anything you've even ran, right? Or Yeah, yeah. I mean, the most, like the biggest, the most climbing I've done in 100 has probably been at Mohican. Um, well, so the biggest, the, one of the factors is I'm in pretty good shape or I'm in probably some of the best shape of my life. Um, I've done a lot more cross training, um, done like a lot more strength training with body weight stuff, uh, and yoga and, and I can feel that making a difference. Um, and then the aid station, having the aid station, I mean, it, every half a mile was helpful but it can also be a down because it, it you know you're like well i can just stop again i can just stop again and when you're running like that fast you can't stop basically um so what i did i tried to stop like for the first 50 miles i i tried to stop every 10 miles is what i was doing and then it like after 50 it was like every five miles and then after about 75 it was every two and a half miles i was stopping um, but I think one of the biggest factors was the temperature, uh, of the day, like it was, the high was like 51 degrees. And I think the low, like when I started, it was 20 degrees and I really do a lot better in cooler temperatures. Um, like I can, I just get really overheated in like even, you know, 60, I mean, just the warmer it gets, the more I struggle. So I, that was my first Sort of my, actually, it was my first hundred where it was like 50 degrees, you know, sort of ideal temperatures. So mm -hmm. I think that had a big, big difference. And I mean, like, so the hill, I'll, the other thing is I really do well with a walk break. Like, I'm not a very good continuous runner, like, you know, a marathon or even like a flat 100 or a flat ultra where you're just using the same muscles and running at the same sort of clip for, you know, hours on end. Um, so, like, the, the fact that it, the hill just kind of forced my walk, which actually keeps me sort of stronger. Um, and I have been doing a lot of training on hills, so I was pretty prepared for it. But that's what I think. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at, I think. Yeah, and just yeah. a reminder to everyone in Ridge Runner Nation, if you have any questions in the chat, make sure to drop those in, uh, in there so we can relay those along. Um, yeah, it was absolutely just wild seeing that and whatnot i think i looked at the splits but i think you spent like maybe 25 minutes over the course of the whole day at aid station so it wasn't like you're spending hours upon hours which can end up taking a lot of time yeah yeah like so when i i think when i uploaded it to strava you know strava does a it does just your running time it doesn't include your stoppage until you add and make it a race you caption it a race so like when i first uploaded i think it was about 17 hours and 15 minutes um and then when i when i hit race it changed it to my real time of 1750 whatever it was so yeah i only had about 30 minutes or so stoppage what time did you start in the morning 
I started at like 535, I think. So I guess the big, big question with this is obviously, uh, we'll get into like the quarantine backyard ultra in a little bit, but why did you not just go for maybe a backyard ultra solo effort and just kind of test yourself in that regard um, compared to just doing 100 miles? Oh. Uh, part, well, probably mostly because I just didn't want to take the time. I mean, I like, I, you know, just sitting around by myself, <laughs> like running and then stopping and sitting there and then getting up and running and stopping and sitting. Um, I just, I don't know. I just didn't feel like, I mean, and partly because I think Saturday was a pretty, it was not a great weather day. And so I just kind of was sort of just squeezing it in on a Sunday and just, you know, I kind of just, even with my training and running, I do whatever sort of what I feel like that day. I mean, I wake up, I try to do something every day, but so every day I wake up and be like, well, today I feel like running a 10 mile tempo or today I feel like doing 10 miles of hills or whatever. So it was kind of like, well, this week I'm feeling kind of like running a fast hundred. So that's what I did. <laughs> I hope I wake up one day and decide to do that. <laughs> uh, your, your splits were super solid all day. That's another thing that I looked at and was super impressed with. Uh, what was like your lowest moment during the day? And then obviously like what was the highest point for you? Uh, okay. So my lowest moment was probably was like between 50 and 55 miles, I think. Um, and I was getting pretty, uh, just getting pretty tired and I spent like, I don't know. I think I had, I had a mile in there. I had like an 18 minute mile and then a 14 minute mile. And I was just, just kind of down on energy. And I was on my hands and knees at one point, you know, just kind of stretching out. And, um, but I just, you know, I just kept going and I came, came out of it and then felt good the rest of the day. Like, and then the high point was sort of getting, like within five miles or so and i was like hey, it's pretty cool like you know i start pumping myself up and uh, and then my parents actually they just live up the hill from us and they walked down and were standing there cheering and i was getting i said i said i got one more lap and dad said well you're, you're ahead of all of them or something and i said i know i'm kicking everybody's ass today <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's like i mean i don't know i don't really need I sort of find that I don't really need, you know, you can have races and you can just, I just always compete with myself. So, I mean, that's what running for me has always been is just competing with myself. So that was all, that's all I was doing. <laughs> I think it's kind of interesting that you say that uh, you like to compete with yourself. And I think that might be like a really powerful mindset for you. Um, going back to the past two years, uh, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're the most consistent ultra runner in all of Ohio, if not the Midwest, because in 2018, you started your year off with the Super Bowl Trail Championship. You took first there. Thunder Bunny, you took fourth place that year. Race Trail Race, first place. Mohican 100, fifth place. Olander's Ultra, fifth place. And you ended the year with New Hop 50K, third place. 2019, you followed it up with uh, OBU, second place. Bob's Backyard, second place. Mohican, your best time there, third place. North Coast 24, third place, 110 miles. Big's Backyard Ultra, I know it's a Backyard Ultra, 11th place, 150. And then we'll forget about Bigfoot, 50K. 
but yeah. <laughs> how do you think that your mindset of just always competing with yourselves translates to always being so consistent at all of these races that you enter? Because a lot of people maybe struggle or have highs and lows, but you're just seeing the knock it out of the park every single time. Uh, well, I think some of it has to do with the number of years I've been doing endurance sports. Um, like I feel like when I first, when I first started running, you know, I'd get injured and, uh, and you'd have setbacks and, and stuff like that. And the longer I've gone, like in the last five years, I've really noticed that I'm basically physically, I feel almost, I mean, indestructible. Like I can just basically run and run and run, um, So it's just, you know, it's, I've, I mean, I work really hard at it. I wake up, you know, every day, um, I eat, I watch what I eat. I, you know, I do a lot of yoga. Um, I do a lot of just sort of thinking about it and I probably spend too much time at it really for, you know, for it just being a hobby, but it's, it's what like you know, it's what fuels me. Um, and it, it truly is. I mean, it's just sort of competing with myself too. So I just, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of it, a lot of it has been my diet. Like I've, the last couple of years I've cleaned up my diet and, you know, I really, I don't, I've cut out sugar and a lot of, I still eat a lot of carbs, but better carbs. Um, and try to cut out, you know, be, mindful of processed foods and and i think that that's cut down on my inflammation in my body so i'm able to recover um so that, you know that's that that's made a big difference game's like a game's like a fine wine he, he's he's a 12 year old wine yeah yeah well, he, he, when I, he when I keeps getting started, better every year. Yeah. Well, and when I first started, I was you know 19 years old, and and you know they say you don't hit your ultra, you know your endurance prime until you're in your 30s or late 30s, early 40s. So I, I mean, I kind of feel like that. I mean, I feel like that's true. And also, I've also seen stuff that says you know it takes a number of years for your body to build itself up to being able to do that too. So I feel like that is also the case. Um, because I like I don't have to train as hard as I I used to, and my times you know are just as good or better. So I would I would agree with that. that. Yeah, that yeah. that building that you do year over year, um, you know yeah. the speed workouts that you mix in year over year, your body becomes more able to adapt to that stress of a race or that that pace that you used to think yeah. was much. more harder to you know keep um that now it might be hard but it doesn't hurt as bad even though you might have the same heart rate or the same you know your body is just a master at adapting to stress and yeah Yeah. once you do it for year over year over year your body just kind of begins to normalize it and adjust to it a lot easier yeah well and i'm like so i've sort of just in the past couple years i've sort of bought in to this idea that once you 
once you've been somewhere physically, you can get back to that point and you can then break through that point. And that was sort of another reason for doing this run that I did this past weekend was so, for example, like there was a time in my life where I'd never run 100 miles in a week. And like the first time I did that, it was like, you know, I was sort of exhilarated, but I was also exhausted. And, uh, you know, I actually probably came away from it more beat up than what was, you know, good for me. But having done that, then you can you can take some downtime and you can come back to that level and get back to that level easier than if you had never done it. So in the aspect of like, or running like a three-hour marathon, it took me years and years and years to run a three-hour marathon. And then when I did, it was a lot easier to get back to that. So it took me, and then, so for example, it's taken me 13 years to break 20 hours in a 100-miler. And now I've done it twice in the last, like, you know, five months. Um, so I sort of feel that way, like with Backyard Ultras, too, is you have to, you can't go from, you know, a 100-miler to a 300-miler. You have to break yourself into it. Um, and so that's kind of my mindset. My ultra running mindset right now is that's sort of where I'm at, just breaking myself in. So I kind of wanted to do this run. I was like, I'm in really good shape. Let's take advantage of this to push my body somewhere where it hasn't been before so that when the time comes that the races are back on, I can get back to that point, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that's great, especially like the point where you said uh, you're building up in these backyard ultras and whatnot. I think the first one you ran, you went like 131, and then next time you bested that yeah. by four more miles, 135, and then I right. see 150th big. So uh, right. in a couple of weeks, I saw that you're signed up for the quarantine backyard ultra. It's going to be a virtual backyard ultra, and there's a lot of really uh, competitive runners that have signed up for this race across the world, honestly. Um, what are your goals for that? What are your kind of expectations going into it? And how do you think it'll go? Um, well, so my, I don't really know. I don't I have no idea. The competitive side of me is like really gung ho about it. Um, and, but sort of the sensible side is I just don't know how it's all going to work with the technology. Um, like here at my house, I don't have, very good uh, or non-existent internet service. So, like, I won't be able to be on Zoom uh, for the face feed. So I'm hoping just to upload my runs to Strava. Um, and I'm just, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just going to do that. And I have a course, I think, design set up I'm working on. And... We'll see. I mean, I also thought about going to a friend's house, um, but I don't know. Like, I don't know the rules. Like, I could go to this buddy's house and set up in his front yard and have a Zoom connection and be able to run easier or be connected to Zoom, but I don't know if that is goes against the quarantine aspect of the Backyard Ultra or not. So, um, But either way, I'm going to run. After huh? four days of running, you basically live there anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what, you know. So I don't know. I don't know if it's going to – I don't know, like, with the with the number of people. I mean, I think there's 500-plus people already signed up for this thing. And, you know, I, don't, I just don't know how the – I don't know. It'll be interesting. If nothing else, I'll have, you know, four miles every hour for who knows how long on Strava. So you can cheer for me. 
<laughs> so with this um, quarantine race, is there like, are you supposed to design a course with a certain amount of elevation to it? Um, and then you said you guys were talking about either uploading each individual run to Strava or is it like, and then the zoom well, aspect as well? Like how's all that work out? Well, that's what, so no, like, so there's two options. You can, you can even run on a treadmill. Um, and if you run on a treadmill, you're just supposed to put your zoom, uh, camera on your treadmill when you finish your four miles to show that you did it. Um, and then, then they also have an option where if you're going to run outside, then it, it, it made it sound to me that like you were going to upload every four mile run would be uploaded as its own individual run. And then you'd start it over again. Um, but I, so, uh, you know, that's, that's my understanding of it right now. Um, and the course can be whatever you can run up a mountain or you can run down a mountain or you can run flat or hills or, you know, whatever you want to do. It's just, so, I mean, it says on there, it's just for fun. Mm. And that's, that's sort of how I'm treating it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run for fun. Um, I may get into it. My body might say, you know, it's only 10 days away. So I may, my body might say, Oh, you're a dork for trying to do this after what you just did. Um, so we'll see. Mary chimed in here and said that you touched on it a little bit, but can you summarize the biggest lessons you learned from your backyard experiences and maybe how those will translate into the one you're going to try to do in a couple weeks? Uh, yeah. So the, well, on paper, it sounds really easy. Um, but you have to remember that it's a hundred miles in 24 hours is what you're doing, which is not an easy feat. Um, really. I mean, it took me a number of years to run 100 miles in 24 hours. So, um, you know, that's 100 miles in 24 hours is still nothing to to think is easy. Um, and then the rest breaks don't uh, add up to the effort it takes to knock those minutes off to get the rest to get the extra rest. So, for example. You know, if you're running to knock a minute, a mile off your, you know, to gain four minutes of rest would equals a minute, a mile is the effort that you're putting out for that minute, a mile doesn't, doesn't paint, doesn't work itself out as being helpful. So my, my philosophy is you run slow as you can. Um, and then the other, I mean, yeah, you just run slow, treat it like a, Treat it like a 200-mile race or 300-mile race or 150-mile race, however, whatever you want to put in your head and pace for that. Um, and the other th I mean, the hardest part about it, too, is then you just have to answer that bell every time. There's no, there's no laying on your back for an hour and then getting up and running eight-minute miles again. You know, you have, to, you, have to keep, you have to keep that pace and answer that bell every hour, which can get challenging. Um, and then truly, and then I think the thing I learned at big that sort of hit me was you have to just, you gotta, you can't worry about how you're feeling at this loop. Cause that, I think that's what did me in. I was, I said, I was really struggling with my, when I, when I finally called it quits and I was like, you know what, I'm really struggling now. What's the next loop going to be like, and what's the next loop going to be like? And I was like, well, you know, if I'm feeling like this right now, 
what's the point? Because the next loop is going to feel like this. And you can't do that. You just have to say, all that matters right now is what I'm doing right here. And, you know, the next loop, you can come out of it, you know, or you could suffer for a while. But you, all that matters is just one more loop, one more step. So, that's, that's awesome, what man. I've learned. Yeah, I'm going to be excited to follow you along, obviously, on the Strava feed or whatnot, or whether you get the Zoom working or whatnot. It's going to be fun in a couple weeks from now to tune into you just running loops and loops for hours on end. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, let's see. Gabe, let's, do you think – hold on. I, I have a question to ask Gabe here. Do you it. think – so you ran, what, 150-something at Biggs? Yeah, 150, yeah. Um, so that's 36 hours. Given right. if you were just given 36 hours, do you think you could uh, on your own schedule, like how you just ran 17 right. on 100 the other day on your own right. schedule, do you think you could do do you think you could easily top that number? Or do you think because you have like a mandatory break every hour, it's, it's right. easier to right. keep going? I'm just curious what right. your philosophy is on that. Like if, if it would be harder to just straight up run, 150 because you might potentially burn out and that rest break every hour, even if it's three right. minutes kind of helps. Um, I'm, I'm just curious on your philosophy on that. Right. Well, so, I mean, when, you, yeah, so my, what I feel like is, I mean, you have, so you have these 24 hour races and just, and you have these, you know, top guys for the U S teams and whatnot who run, you know, 150, 160, 170 miles in 24 hours. Um, and then you have these backyard ultras where, you know, you're running, you're, you're running 150 miles in 36 hours. And, you know, I, for me personally, who doesn't have quite the, like the super foot speed, I think like the bigs, well, I don't know. The, the thing is it's, it's also on your feet. You're on your feet for that long, which is also, or just being awake. And so it's really like the backyard style is, I think is more challenging for that aspect because you're, you know, 36 hours, like someone like Harvey Lewis can run 150 miles in 24 hours and not be sort of tired, sleepy tired. Whereas, you know, when you run 150 miles at a backyard ultra, you're, you know, 36 hours and that's just that much longer you've been awake. Um, so I think that, you know, if that makes sense, that is what, that's, that's a, that's a challenge. Um, well, I, I, I mean, I have run, I've seen I mean, you so at I've run, I've Olander I've, yeah. and I've seen yeah. you at a backyard and, and the, the shape and condition you looked in a backyard ultra looked way more in control as opposed to the constant you don't get a break yeah. every time you get a yeah. break is potentially yeah. miles you're losing so i was just curious on your yeah. own thought yeah well like because for I, my own self i think i think i'm would be a stronger backyard runner than like a 24-hour runner hmm. um partly you know just because i yeah i i can yeah, I just think I, I'm a better backyard runner than a 24-hour runner. I mean, I, I have run – I ran a 150-mile race one time. Uh, it was in 2008, um, and it took me 47 hours. And that was just, you know, you go, and it was on a trail, 
but you just ran, you know, your own race, your own time, however you wanted. And it took me 47 hours. And then like at Biggs, you know, with the set pace, I was 36 hours for 150 miles. Um, I'm a lot better runner now than I was then. But I mean, I think there's, it's a great way. The backyard ultra is a great way to, to go for a long time. Um, if you've never done it, but it's also a challenge because it's a set someone who is used to running fast, like for for you, Travis, you know, who's used to running a hundred miles, you know, you, you, or, you know, you just, you, you haven't spent that much time past 20 hours in a race ever because you're fast enough to be done. And so I think those guys coming into an event like a backyard ultra are surprised at, at how it can, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't run. like it. <laughs> yeah, it can, yeah, it can be, it can be different. I know it's, I know it's not my event. I, I, I tried one. I, I wasn't necessarily fatigued. I wasn't necessarily, um, you know, out of it. I just, I, I was like, the, I just knew it wasn't for me. I mean, I got to about a hundred K and I was like, hey, it's, it's, it is a really fun event and I love the environment and I wish every race had that type of environment where you get to see yeah. those same people every four miles. But yeah, yeah. I, I know that is not sp- specifically my type of race, but I, I appreciate yeah. it and I'll go to anyone I can just to spectate because it is a really friendly spectator event and it's just yeah, a really it's, fun yeah, event to be at. Yeah. 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 It's really, it's kind of turned ultra running into a spectator sport. Um, mm-hmm. uh, otherwise that, that usually is not, I mean, to spectate a hundred milers kind of difficult, <laughs> <laughs> but backyard ultra, backyard ultra is easier to watch, I guess, or follow along with, but yeah, Definitely. yeah, you're just too, you're, you're too fast, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I think you'd give me a run for my money this year. <laughs> Travis definitely loves running away from people. And that's what he did two weekends ago at the Belmonte 50 miler where he just ran away from the rest of the field. Uh, this was actually one of the last races not canceled due to COVID-19. Uh, for those of you that don't know much about the Belmonte 50, uh, the race features challenging climbs, technical and runnable sections. It's an outback style that takes place in the George Washington national forest. So Travis, to kind of dive in deep here with you, how your race was that day. Uh, what was your mindset going into this race? And did you actually know it was going to take place? Like when did you feel confident that I'm actually going to run this thing with everything going on in the world? Um, yeah, it was weird. Um, when Aaron and I, my wife, Aaron and I, when we were driving down, um, or over, I guess, um, we had gotten off at, uh, exit to get some lunch and we were going to pull into a Kroger just to get some stuff. And it looked like, a just a chaotic, like zombie apocalypse scene in the Kroger. And we were just like, what, we can't go in there. Like it, every, like there were cars parked, like on the curbs. Um, and, and it really like kind of freaked us out for a minute. And like, after we're like, okay, we just, let's just get back on the highway. Um, and we kept driving and we're just like, I was, I was like, should we like keep going? Like, we're not quite halfway yet. Like, does, does this feel right? And, um, and then like right after that, I had checked my email and like Airbnb was like, Oh, uh, because you're going to uh, like a County where there is a case of, um, the virus going on. Like we offer a free refund, no questions asked. And we're like, Oh, what is going on here? 
Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, we, we ended up just, we, we, we kept driving. Um, we, we got to this, we stayed at a barn, uh, just kind of in the middle of, uh, like the, the George Washington forest was in the backdrop and we were like, okay, yeah, this feels right. Um, so it, it was, it was freaky. Um, I, I didn't really quite like, because it was still, I mean, that was two weeks ago. It was before like it had all really set in. Um, I think everybody felt a lot more panic back then. Not that you shouldn't still feel kind of like, you know, uh, a little bit on edge. Um, I, I think there's still a lot of safety precautions everybody should be taking and, you know, we should respect all the things that, you know, especially the state of Ohio is trying to enforce. Um, but it, it really just hadn't quite set in yet. And that really kind of made it feel like we were in a movie. I, I, I don't know. I felt like very anxious, uh, like kind of on edge. Um, and then, I mean, even, even the race morning, um, the race directors, I think they knew they were very fortunate to be able to, you know, whether it was bad judgment or good judgment, who, who knows? Um, I haven't heard of anything coming out of that race that said like, oh, somebody contracted that at that race. So, I mean, it, it was risky judgment, but uh, I think they used the best precautions they could have. All the aid stations, I didn't take any food from there. I, I think I took a banana once, uh, but everything was prepackaged. Um, so they didn't have like any open food, any open containers. Um, so they, they really did a good job at making sure that their environment was as contained as possible and that people weren't going to be, I mean, spectators was, it was, it was pretty limited. I would say a good portion of people probably didn't even show up. Um, maybe, um, I think most of the, the main guys that were going to try and run fast were there. I mean, I know. Uh, Brian was there. Um, there was a few other guys that, you know, I, I knew kind of by name, but not really, uh, I'd never really raced against any of them. Um, but it was, it, it was, it was anxious. I, I felt anxious before the start. Um, but after, after the gun or the whistle or the bullhorn went off, um, you know, it just felt kind of at peace again, like everything, you know, went, once you're on trail, um, everything kind of just goes away. Uh, it feels normal again. Uh, so it was, it, it was, uh, anxious to start, but after, after the race officially started that, um, anxiety really kind of went by the wayside. Um, something that we didn't really have to think about, or I didn't think about, um, Aaron, who was crewing for me, uh, definitely took a lot more precautions than she probably would have at a normal race. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with just how the aid stations were set up. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, a it was a strange environment. Definitely. Before we dive too deep into your actual race, how did you find out about this race? How did I, I, um, <laughs> so I, the first person I actually heard about it from, was a guy I, I had I had never known that this race had been going on for like ten or fourteen years. Uh, a guy I had I ran a race in December, I think it was. Um, it was uh, it was a it was a fifty k up in the Cleveland area, um, and the guy who got like third or fourth uh, was saying he was running a fifty miler, 
and it was called Belmonte. And I was like, Oh, how have I never heard of that? Is it a new race? And he goes, no, it's been going on for some time. And, um, and then I looked into it. I kind of penciled it in. There was a few other races I was considering at the time, but I wanted to, I, I've never, I've only ever raced one fifty miler and I didn't do well at all. It was like my first ultra ever. Um, and I, I really, I, I ran like a, a 12 hour, maybe 13 hour, 50 miler with like 2,200 feet of gain. Um, which for some people that's, that's still very good. Um, I think I thought I was much more capable of running something a little bit faster. Um, and so I, I, I kind of penciled it in as an early season kind of tough race that I felt if I was in good shape, I could run well. Um, I've always raced well in Virginia. Um, and this just happened to be a Virginia 50 miler and, um, it kind of really piqued my interest. Um, so it, it, guy, Tyler Piedmont, I think, um, uh, he, he ran Regal Beagle, uh, with me and he was, I think he was fourth place. He still ran sub four very, very fast. I mean, the course is pretty conducive to some fast times, but definitely a quick, quick guy to watch out for. Um, so he, he kind of told me about it. I looked into it, found out it was, you know, it's been around for some time and, uh, penciled it in, wasn't sure that I was going to do it until, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit later, uh, I'd say probably two months after that. Definitely. So take us through your race. Obviously the gun goes off. Uh, what happens from there? Is it you and Brian the whole way or just give us, paint the picture for us? Yeah, it was, um, I don't know the first, the first two miles, um, is kind of a road section. Uh, it's not, uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely road. Um, and it's downhill. Uh, so the first two miles were about four, 500 feet of loss, uh, over the course of two miles, which you got to remember it's out and back. So you got that four to 500 feet back up on the last two miles. Um, but it was a road section. So we started off, it, it just felt really easy. Uh, we were probably in that like six thirty pace for the first two miles, which, <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah, easy for some people. So not. Hey, this is, this is, this is on road downhill. So it just kind of, <laughs> you know, you've got that, <laughs> you've got that kind of like a uh, little bit of, uh, you know, anxiousness built up where you just kind of, it feels yeah. good to let it loose a little bit. You're not going straight into a climb and breathing hard. You got to get your lungs going before you had to enter any climbs. So I think it's a lot different. Like uh, I had a race last year in Colorado where you started at the base of a ski resort and you just go straight up. I think it's a lot harder to start a race when you just go straight up as opposed to, you know, I got 14 minutes of stretching out my lungs before I had to do any climbing. I got to stretch out my legs with a good kind of like little tempo before I had to go into any, any serious, uh, I, I don't know. It just, it felt right. It felt good. Um, but, uh, we were, uh, so there was, I, I think the first real climb was probably around like mile four, three or four. Um, it was about a thousand foot, uh, of total climb, um, up into the aid station at mile five. Um, and it, you know, it, there was enough switchbacks where I could still see, I, I definitely was a little nervous that I took it out a little fast. Brian was probably, you know, 20 seconds, 10 seconds back on me when we entered into the trail. Um, and I kind of just kept moving, uh, along. 
Um, but as we got, as we were nearing the top of the climb uh, into the aid station, I was kind of just looking down over the switchbacks and I could see, I could see the headlamps were back. It, it's kind of hard to gauge, you know, how many switchbacks you've gone through. Um, but I, I would have guessed like, you know, a minute, maybe a minute and a half back. Um, and I, I, uh, I'd gotten into the aid station and I don't think I took anything. I just, I, I took off my long sleeve. Um, it was, it was probably like 35 degrees, but it was, I actually wore a race pack. I don't really hardly ever wear one, but it was nice to just have like a few extra things in there. I, I just carried my food in there all day, uh, random gels. Um, and I, I think I had my gloves in there or I still had my gloves on at the time. Um, but it, it was just, uh, I mean, I can't, can't give my wife enough credit for her being at every aid station possible. And, you know, the reason I was so efficient is I, I, I had liquid nutrition all day and I had two bottles and every time I saw her, we would just hand off. And I just, I, I think I maybe spent a total of two minutes at aid station, uh, on, on the whole race. Um, so I was just in and out. Um, she would see me when I was still 150 yards out or so. And if I did need anything, I would just kind of yell it. Like I said, like banana, or I said like Coke and, you know, I'd have it right there. I'd drink some and I'd, I'd just be on the road or I'd be, um, right up the trail again. Um, so coming into, I think mile 13 half marathon, uh, actually at mile 10, when I was running, I was trying to eat a gel and I just wasn't paying attention. And I, just absolutely face planted. Um, just, I, I, it, it was like a super flat section. Didn't look like there was any, I mean, there, it, Virginia is just super rocky. And if you're not paying attention for a second, I'd looked up and I took my headlamp off the trail. Cause it was, it, we were about two hours in and the race started at 5am. And so it was still dark or it was like that weird light where, uh, it, it, it's, it's almost light enough to see without a headlamp. Um, but it, it really throws off your eyes. And I find myself in any race during that time frame. That is always when I fall. Um, and, uh, so I just took a nasty fall, like right onto my shoulder collarbone. Um, I think I hit my head a little bit, but just yelled a, a few profanities and just kept, kept going. Um, and, uh, rolled through like the, there, there's like a mile, I think at mile 13, um, ended up not running across the mat and like almost I had to have looked like such an idiot. Cause I came like running in there really fast. And, uh, I like almost like wiped out trying to like get back to their mat. Cause they're like, you need to run across the mat over here. And I like tried to turn real quick and like almost rolled on the ground, but like caught myself and skidded my hands on the ground. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was right before we had to go in. We had a little bit of flat section again, but then uh, ended up going up a climb to a, a pretty, a really steep climb, actually. Probably the steep, one of the steepest climbs of the day. Uh, the steepest climb of the day hits you right, right before the end. But um, it, it took, so you, you get a big climb from like 20, or I want to say probably 15 to so let's call it 17 to like 22 and then like 22 down to 26 is a really long, like 2,500 foot descent. 
um, that you just turn around at 20. I think that course is a little over 50. I think it's like 52 ish normally. Um, but you, you come right back up that trail section. Um, you get a four mile climb out of the turnaround, which is, you know, Gabe, you would totally grind it out because it's just that like kind of perfect grade that it's runnable, but it's not, um, I mean, you, you can hike it, but you can easily, like if you're just a yeah. good climber, you, you, you know, that it's just that perfect grade where you just keep the feet moving yeah. and you're going to keep going right up it. Right. Um, the, the problem would have been, I would have been an hour behind you and it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would be grinding that climb like crazy. <laughs> um, it, it was, it was a, I, I have never really had too many out and back courses, but what was cool about this course is um, obviously it being out and back. And when you're, when you are in the lead in an out and back, you get to see exactly where somebody else is at. Um, so I was looking at my watch right when I, uh, I, I wanted to see the mileage and it just happened to be, we turned around right at 26.2. Uh, so I knew like, okay, marathon, I can remember that even in my hazy, like oxygen pleated brain. Um, so when I saw second place, um, I was like, it, I think it ended up being, um, mile 28. Uh, so I knew I was about 1.8 miles up. So I figured, you know, roughly let's just call it 18 minutes is what I kind of gave myself in my head. Um, so I just, I, I just kept moving well. Um, but I knew like 18 minutes in an ultra, like you make one mistake and, um, you know, that 18 minutes can disappear really quick. Um, whether you, uh, you know, don't feel good and you have to walk for five minutes. Um, that person, you know, can gain ground there. You, you take a long aid station break, uh, you know, that person can give it right back on you. Um, but I decided to do neither of those and I just decided to take a wrong turn. Um, so I, I, I actually didn't take a wrong turn. I just kept going straight. Um, I, I think the course marking on the course was really good. This just happened to be like, the cutback was a little tighter than I remember it being when we were running. Um, but it, there was enough like kind of sandy trail that we were on, like where it, it was kind of wet where, and it was like flattened, packed out where it had rained the day before. And there wasn't any trail. Like I'd been running down the trail for about not quite a half mile. And I was just like, wait, why are there no footsteps on this trail? And I was just, I, I got that like gut feeling where I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm going, I'm going the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. um, but so I, I think that really kind of was my low point during the race. Well, actually right, right then wasn't, but I, I burnt a little too much fuel on that next half mile getting back on course. Um, because I, I got, I was running scared. I was kind of nervous. Um, and, uh, so I, I think I pushed myself a little too hard running through that section. Um, but, uh, got back on, felt a little depleted after, you know, I, once I was on the trail again, I was running for about 10 minutes and I was like, Oh, I don't think I should have ran that hard where you just get that kind of like your, your brain kind of clicks and you're like that, that might've been a bad idea. Um, but we had about another three miles of descent uh, going into the aid station. And 
And I, I got down there and I, I honestly, I thought I was still in first. I, I should have known I still was because I had a, a, enough of a lead that I didn't think anybody was going to crush it out of there. But, you know, I, I once I, I want to say it was probably like mile 32-ish, 33-ish. Um, I, I, I was nervous. Uh, I was kind of like a little flustered when I, when I saw Aaron. It was probably my longest aid station where I drank like half a bottle of Coke and had a banana and uh, was just like, okay, like got to, got to get my head back in the game. And, you know, even when you're, even when you're in the, in the lead of a race, it can still be like, it's almost sometimes more nerve wracking because you don't need to catch anybody. You just need to make sure the person behind you doesn't catch you. And you don't know where that person's at or how they're feeling um, where I think you don't have as much pressure when you're not leading a race because all you have to do is, you know, if you keep your position, that's great. Like you're, you're happy with that. But if you stalk that person and catch them, um, you know, that's so much more fun. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I chugged along, but I got to about when I had about 13 miles left, I was really starting to doubt everything. And, you know, I, I was just taking it five minutes at a time. Um, through uh, it, a slow, gradual uphill uh, until about mile 48, which was, I think mile 48 was a 980 foot climb. Uh, so my mile 48, uh, I think I put down a solid 20 minute thousand foot climb mile um, coming out of, I guess we'd call it a canyon or it, it felt like we were going straight up a wall. Um, it was very, very, very steep. I would have been more efficient crawling. Um, I, I couldn't even, I, I don't remember running down it because it felt really easy early in the morning. And I didn't think we ever ran it down anything that steep um, because hmm. I, I could hardly even put a leg in front of my other leg. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, after I got out of that little canyon, I knew I had about five miles left about a thousand feet of gain, uh, 500 of that being on road and about 500 of that being on trail. Um, so I, you know, drank the rest of a half a bottle of Coke and grabbed one more took, I think I took my vest off at that time and, uh, just ran in a short sleeve and had my, uh, just liquid nutrition. And uh, I kind of, kind of knew at that point, uh, cause I told Aaron when there was 13 miles left to tell me how far back second was. And uh, I found out that he was still about 15 minutes back on me. And, you know, I, that kind of gave me that, you know, that little bit of hope that I needed. Like, I thought I could still finish strong, but knowing that I still had that kind of lead, like, actually made me finish stronger. Um, so, you know, cruised down in and uh, went just just under eight, I think. So, well, I know. Um, but, yeah, it felt felt good. Felt I was happy to get one of the, you know, I, I think I ran, I kind of left it out there just because I knew I wasn't going to get to race again um, for some time. Uh, I, I knew a lot of races were already canceling. Uh, so I just wanted to, you know, I had fun with it. I took a little bit of a risk on some of the things, but um, you know, it's a little bit, some of it's risk and some of it's, you know, just you, you trust your training. So a little bit of both and just see where that blend ends up 
Yeah, I mean, definitely, man. It sounds like you had an absolute crazy day. Uh, you ran the sixth fastest time in course history. The race has been going on for 13 years now. So it was a super impressive effort. Uh, obviously, the field is pretty competitive. Brian Rasicki was out there. He's won the event multiple times. He's got multiple finishes in that top six time as well. So it's just kind of epic to hear about that. Obviously, you touched on it a little bit, but you got lost and always seems to happen to you unfortunately <laughs> but we'll, we'll get that figured out hopefully uh in the future one thing i want to run too you, fast running too fast you get lost you run too fast and <laughs> yeah you just got your head down <laughs> well i got my head up there's just no oxygen in there yeah well yeah either way yeah. <laughs> i got a couple of final questions here to ask these two and michael a little bit longer than usual but i want to get these in uh, Travis, what did you, what was surprised you most about being out there at this race that you didn't really expect going into it? Um, so if you would have asked me halfway through that race, I would have thought that this race was only going to have like 4,000 feet of gain, um, because I hadn't yet gone up any climbs. Well, I had, but like, they didn't seem noticeable. I wouldn't have guessed that it had like 8,800 8, feet of gain, um, lot steeper but absolutely gorgeous it had everything you could want in like a it was tough it was scenic it had flats it had steep downhills it had a bunch of stream crossings super technical um it was just a really good race i mean i've always really liked a race in virginia i think it kind of levels the playing field um, if you're a really fast runner, it doesn't necessarily matter because the train's super technical. So you just have to have quick feet. Um, if you're, um, just, it, it's just, it, it's a perfect leveling of all, you have to be a good climber. When you get the flats, you have to run fast on them. Um, so I, I've always really liked to run in Virginia just because it kind of levels the playing field of people that just have one skill set. Um, it kind of really shows like the most well-rounded runners, I guess, on the East Coast, at least, you know, your West Coast runners uh, still do well on, on the East Coast. But, you know, some of that technical is a little bit different for them. Um, I, I'm not saying it's completely I mean, there's definitely a lot of stuff out West, but uh, some of the stuff you're going to see out West is going to be a little bit more, you know, buffed out flatter faster stuff but it's it's a really it's just a really enjoyable race it, it was fun it kind of had everything aid stations were great for everybody my wife was able to see me at every single aid station i have never ran an entire i've never ran a race in my entire life where i've gotten to see my crew at every single aid station um so that i mean it just had a lot of really good things especially for people that are looking for a first time it is fast if you run it right and uh i mean Virginia's got a lot to offer in a trail race. That's awesome, man. Uh, transitioning Gabe here. Uh, you obviously ran your first 100 miler, I think at the age of 19 years old, you're a 13 time Mohican finisher. Uh, one of the biggest things I always like advocate for is young people in the sport. How did you run your first 100 miles so young? And what advice would you give to someone uh, maybe just got a college or in the college age looking to run their first 100 miler yeah so when i first started running ultras no one was running um ultras that was were like close to my age um like there was 
there's and it was just starting like you'd have some like the youngest guys were 24 25 um like the Antons and the Skags or some of the names that I remember who started throwing down really fast times but that was like sort of the just the beginning of the young bucks in ultra running um so I started running um Wow, well, geez, it's been so long ago. I don't even, I, I started running uh, sort of the being shaped for baseball, and then my baseball career fizzled out, um, and I had some friends who were who were training for Mohican, and they said they were training to run 100 miles, and I was like, that's absolutely insane, and then I signed up, um, and I just, you know, started running. So, like, if you're looking to come at it as a first-timer, younger um, my advice would be, oh shoot, what would my advice be? I'm kind of drawing a blank, but like, oh shoot. To just, well, okay, here I got some, I, this was what I would say, don't worry about mileage, first of all. Like, don't feel like you have to run a certain amount of miles a week. Um, focus more on time on your feet. Um, so, like, if you have you want to do a long run, you go three hours, four hours, five hours, whatever you want to do, and just go out and have fun. Just be on your feet for that time. Uh, walk the hills. Like, I used to do training runs with guys, and we would just sandbag. We'd, I mean, we'd run so slow and walk. I mean, if it was resembled a hill, we were walking. Um, and you just, just keep going, just keep going and you don't stop. And you always, you, you always, you always know that someone in the field, um, out there would, would give a lot to be where you're at. So don't stop if that makes sense. So, you know, wherever you're at in a race, like, if you have, if you still have the ability to finish, you have to finish because there's someone behind you that would be like, man, I wish I could be up there and being able to finish this race. So you just, you got to keep going. That's, that would be my advice. I think it's pretty good advice. I want to use that myself in my training. You know, that, that whole hill thing. I'm going to start walking everything that looks like a hill. Yeah, walk, man, walk the hills. I didn't start running hills until like two years ago. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, rolling up to some next questions, I kind of kind of wanted to know what your guys' mindset um, on training and, and in regards to the future plans. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of uncertainty as we go forward about what races will or will not happen, and I'm kind of curious what you guys are wanting or how you guys are approaching that in terms of training and maintaining something if you don't have a specific maybe goal or uh, you're uncertain if a race is going to happen and stuff like that. Travis, you want to go, Travis? Yeah. yeah. So I, I can I can start with this, and actually, you know, I, for me, the hardest part about um, this whole kind of you know everybody's quarantine, a lot of races are canceled. Is you know I, I'm fortunate to still have a, a job, but working from home has actually made me unmotivated to run. It's not races being canceled. Like 
I'm kind of home all day and like I, I'm on my computer and then I'm just like, oh, I just kind of want to sit on the couch. Or I never realized, you know, me going to work and like coming home and like made me more motivated to get out the door and just kind of have fun and, and run. Like I, I kind of feel like I'm in a funk right now where, um, you know, I'll, I'll be on my computer all day and then I'm just like, oh, dad, you know, I don't really want to run right now. And, you know, some of that could be I, I've raced twice in the last four weeks. Um, so let's let's hope that it's maybe just a little bit of like, you know, a little over raced, a little uh, hopefully maybe it was just a little over training and just, a, you know, a little hiccup and, and I'll get kind of back to things. But I don't necessarily think, you know, races are just fun. I, I think I like to go to races just to I get to see a lot of people like, you know, the reason I know most of you guys um, is because of you know, going to races and meeting people. And, um, so I think the race environment is kind of just like a party to celebrate your training. Uh, but really the most fun part about it is the training, uh, because you get to have so much, you know, some people are like, Oh, I don't, I hate to train. Like some people only focus on an event and I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I mean, if, if you're going to be in this for the long haul, and I, I know Gabe can preach to this too, like if you're going to keep going and you're going to stay in this sport like you got to love to do the training um because that's that's what that's what's the most fun and then you get to celebrate it with all the people uh when you get to go to an event um but in, in the short term um uh you know i have some little goals that i might uh try and try and achieve um i, I don't really know who knows maybe maybe one of these weekends i'll i'll see how fast i can run 100 um, I won't have quite as much bird as you, Gabe, but I might get some city <laughs> miles. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if I can really entertain a hundred city miles, uh, but it, it's it's possible. Um, but you know, hopefully, every, everything shapes up. Uh, you know, at least halfway through this season. I don't want to put a timeline on this because nobody nobody knows what to expect. Um, but you know, hopefully, uh, come August. Um, you know, we're all up and going again. Uh, cause I'd, I'd like to, uh, have a hard rock qualifier again. Um, and I, I'm, if I don't get a hard rock race this year, I'm going to lose my qualifiers. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm in for cascade crest, or I, I think I'm like 12 on the lottery or 12 on the wait list, which would more than likely probably put me in. Um, so Let's just hope, uh, you know, people distance themselves enough to allow us to run the distances we want, I guess. Yeah. You, yeah, well, I would just say you just keep training and, I mean, so, like, I'm, I'm signed up. My next official race would be Bob's Backyard. Uh, big timber backyard which he has actually moved it from the first of may to the end of may and then mohican of course so those are like what i have coming up um and i'm just looking i mean in my mind i say well they'll happen and we'll go do them and so i'm just going to train and if they end up not you know if they don't happen then i'll just do something to test your fitness take your just take your body train and take your body somewhere it hadn't been before so when you races come back around, it'll be easy to get back to that point. So whatever your goals are, you know, 
you want to run a 5K in under 15 minutes or under 20 minutes, you can go out and do that. If you want to run a marathon under four hours, go out and do it. You don't need a race. You know, if you want to run 100 miles under 24 hours, just set you up a course, put you some water bottles out, go after it. So that's kind of my mindset. Love it. Gabe, I will I will say, though, I, I think you probably have a faster 5K than me. Um, <laughs> it's probably the worst distance ever, so yeah yeah no i yeah well i i'm sure if i do it's a complete fluke <laughs> <laughs> great well um we want to thank you guys i appreciate you guys coming on the show tonight talk with us about your 100 mile your ridiculous 100 mile in your backyard which which mind you when i opened it up on strava and saw it and i zoomed in it was like a solid bar it was like you yeah. couldn't see all yeah. of the, it was like a bar yeah. and i was like what is this yeah. then i realized what had happened i've always wondered how many loops how many loops you have to do before it's just solid that you don't do no <laughs> well do you, do you know how many like, official laps it was i think it was like around 166 or so because i have a segment there's a little segment on that loop and i think i did the segment 166 times <laughs> oh my god <laughs> get on the town <laughs> Oh, I love it. But yeah. so that and Travis, you know, congrats on your first place win. Um, you guys have any final words you want to say? Nothing. No, thanks fellas. I really enjoy uh, the Ridge runners. Um, surprisingly it, for whatever it's worth, it has motivated me. Um, and so I appreciate it. I just, you know, I, I draw my motivation from little things. And so like you guys do your runners of the year and, prediction shows it gets me all pumped up for stuff so thanks well, we greatly appreciate that it's a lot of fun yeah so yeah yeah just uh, yeah. Out. oh go ahead go for it travis uh, i was gonna say uh, you know gratitude as well um you know between all, all all you guys i mean you know gabe you're one of the first names i i heard or saw when i came into the scene and you know you've always been you, you've only gotten better and uh, you know, you're kind of a historic figure in, in the Ohio scene. Um, and then also, yeah, I mean, with, with the, these little random shows with the, you know, you're making it, we're, we're nobody, nobody's taking this super serious. Like, I mean, we take it, we all take it serious when we're racing, but like, this just makes it more fun. Like we, we all know it's all for fun and you know, we're, we're, we're all never going to be, probably sponsored athletes or anything we're in our well Gabe and I were in our 30s now um so it's it's fun to enjoy it it's fun to have a laugh at it and it's fun to keep training and and knowing some people are paying attention and it's 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 just all it's it's fun yep Cool. Yeah, no, we appreciate the kind words, guys. Just a reminder uh, that you guys can catch these live on YouTube or take us on the go uh, via Apple Podcasts. If, also, if you know anyone that you think would be a great guest of the show, like these two were, let us know in the comments below. Uh, Gabe and Travis, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you both again, and uh, we'll hope to get you guys back on in the future after you guys do something else that's just mind-boggling. Thanks, guys. Sweet. Thanks. Thanks.